Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of One Click Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of B2B Made Simple. Joining me on the show today, I have Dustin Tizik, the VP of Marketing at Govenda, back for the reunion tour. This is round two. So Dustin, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, Sam, thanks for having me again. I'm looking forward to the reunion tour. Yeah, so same Dustin, different company. So this this will be fun to kind of hear what you have going on. Um, but if you want to listen to the previous episode, it was probably like six months, seven months ago that you were on um, least, episode yeah. one twenty eight. So if you're listening to this, you want to go check it out. If Dustin says some cool things today, uh, then you might like that episode too. <laughs> I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> no, you'll you'll knock it out of the park for sure. Um, well, to open this up, I have a, a question for you. Yeah. I can't remember what I asked on our, our first podcast together, but if you had to choose between a vacation on the beach or a vacation up on a lake in the mountains, what do you think you would choose? Oh, good question. So I would have chosen mountains before, mm-hmm. but now with kids, I want to go to a beach with just my wife and no kids and just chill out for a week. So there I would choose go. that now. <laughs> it, it's changed over time. <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Well, Dustin, thanks again for being here, man. Um, I'm really excited about this topic. Actually, this has been something that hasn't been talked about on the show. And I always love those kind of episodes getting into the nitty gritty. Um, One of the things you guys recently did at GoVenda was you, uh, you worked to remove all the friction from your demo process from start to finish Um, to kick us off. Why is that critical for marketing teams to tackle? Yeah. I mean, I think just the buyer outside of B2B, right? Like the buyer is used to a simple, seamless process. I want thing X on the internet. I click two buttons, I get it. Um, But when it comes to buying B2B software, there can be a lot of hurdles and gatekeepers, which, you know, sometimes are necessary. You don't want to clog up a salesperson's calendar, but there are ways with technology now to, you know, remove some of that friction and get the right people, kind of your like VIP ideal buyers through that process as quick as possible. Um, I think there's an advantage of being the first to demo before your competitors and laying that framework and not really setting traps, but, you know, pointing out things, Hey, you should probably ask about this. Um, so that's my goal is, you know, they should be able to book right away if they're the right fit. Mm-hmm. And what do you mean by first to demo? Like compared to your competitors, you're the first one that they speak with. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, you know, they'll Google, let's say you sell communication software. They're going to Google that, go to four sites, click demo, 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 and then do them all back to back. I just want to be the most responsive, fastest, most seamless process for them. I think it sets a good first impression and lets you get in front of them first. Mm-hmm. So when you guys decided, I know you're pretty new to Govenda. So you guys have been tackling some stuff uh, here mm-hmm. and there is, you know, you have a lot going on. Um, was this something that you noticed that your buyers were bringing up? Like, hey, your demo process is like, we're kind of lost here. Or did you know going in, we need to make this as smooth, as quick and as seamless as possible? Yeah. So when, when I was brought in, like my, there's a lot of long-term stuff you have to do, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, build a demand gen engine, get content, all that. Um, so I was looking for quick wins, things we could do relatively quick, a few weeks, a month max and turn it around. And removing that friction seemed an obvious point. Um, and it's something I've done in the past, right? So, 
you know, they had a long-ish form. Uh, phone number was required. It was just a little intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, but we use Zoom info, so we can get that info after the fact for the vast majority of buyers. Um, so that was why I tackled that first. Is I, I felt we were driving pretty decent quality traffic, especially on the paid side. I wanted to up conversion rates, and that seemed like you know the quickest way to to take a shot at that. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool how you guys tackle like even the contact information to make it simpler for them. What do your fields look like on your schedule a demo or book a demo? Is it pretty bare? So right now it's just down to email. Really? Um, we're going to build in some progressive stuff after because sometimes the contact just won't be in Zoom info. The company's too small. Maybe they're you know stealth and not listed yet, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just email. The way we're going to build it is if Zoom info doesn't have information on that company in the back end, then we'll pop some progressive fields after, mm-hmm. you know, full name, company name, employee size, whatever we decide. Um, but if Zoom info has all that background information, they will just get routed to different destinations based on that info. Um, so it's just an email upfront, nice and seamless. Have you noticed um, either your buyers saying, man, I love that this was so simple, or have you noticed like an influx of demos? Like what are some of those KPIs or even quantitative, qualitative that you've been listening to or noticing? Yeah. So we're, we're about halfway through getting this through at Govenda, but I did a very similar thing mm-hmm. at my last company. Um, and the main thing we noticed was just that jump from form fill to actually having a demo. Mm-hmm. So there, there's drop off there, right? We were at my last company, we we're at 55, 60%, which is decent. So, you know, half of people who fill out the form actually book a demo. Um, we were able to bump that up to about 80, wow. which is a pretty significant demo bump without having to do all the work to up, like get more leads in the door, which mm-hmm. there's no real short-term way to do that effectively to get more demo ready leads and except maybe pumping money into paid ads in the right way. Um, so yeah, we were able to see that giant conversion rate jump more demos meant more one business. Um, so it was a nice, easy way to do that. And that was simply from giving the bare bones of a form. You said it was an email address, right? Yeah. So it was, it was having a simple form and then for the right contact, getting them to a calendar as quick as possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can do your automated email follow-ups, but that's just a point where things could drop off. You know, that could go in spam. If they're a healthcare company or a bank, your email is not getting through, Um, but they just filled out your form. So if they're the right fit, we would have a short form right to the calendar. They'd book on the calendar and then we would offer some optional kind of discovery questions there to remove some of that friction so that, you know, we can dive right into a personalized demo addressing some of those needs. Right. And the thing that I've noticed is like, yes, it's great that you guys saw this uptick in forms filled to demo requests or calendar bookings or whatever it was. Right. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. But in addition to that, you guys really thought about like your buyer and you said, what would be the smoothest, smoothest experience for them? is a little bit harder for us to implement. We have to go get Zoom info. They're booking a time on our calendar, right? It's not the most convenient. It's on their time. But when you switch to now it's buyer focus, their their experience is the priority. You also see like the experience go up for them and they're going to remember that, right? For sure. Like I I, I buy software, obviously, right? Like it's yeah. VP marketing and it drives me insane when I can't get through to anyone or, <laughs> you know, I have to, get banted hard when I, with an SDR, right. And they run me through their process and try to figure out if they're going to rule me out. And if I should get a demo, mm-hmm. um, 
which some of that's necessary, right? Depending on the product. Um, but when it's something where, you know, I feel like I'm probably going to buy this thing anyways, um, it, it can just be a bit annoying. So I wanted to remove some of that and make it just a better buying experience. Mm-hmm. One of the, another ways uh, that you guys are kind of removing that friction is where you send your leads slash if they're not a good fit, like what you do with them after that. So let's, can we walk through that process? So when you have a high quality lead, where does it go? For sure. Yeah. So if they fit, you know, like right in our sweet spot as our ICP, um, we will route them direct to an AE calendar. Um, so we're in the process of building that out. They will skip the SDR qualification process. Um, and SDR will still look at those leads just to make sure, you know, they were routed there. Does this make sense? Uh, should we do a quick email just to ask for more info? So they'll still keep an eye on it, but those leads will go right to an AE. Um, then there's going to be these leads that are probably a good fit, but you're not entirely sure. Um, so those will route directly to an SDR calendar. Um, so instead of you know the SDR having to call and follow up or send a LinkedIn connection request and try to grab time, right to their calendar, get it scheduled so the SDR can talk to them. And then there's the third bucket where you just know it's not a fit, right? Like maybe you sell to companies that have to be at least a few hundred employees and this company is a 15 person startup and you just know like there's no way it's not a fit. Um, we still obviously respond to those, but those go to a more general thank you page um, and an automated email will follow up um, from an SDR with you know, a b- little bit of a product demo. Um, we're probably going to put a video in there, some information on on pricing and all that sort of stuff. So they get a firm picture and then asking if they want to continue the conversation. Um, so if they get that information, they can kind of pre-qualify themselves. We're happy to continue that conversation, but I don't want to clog up sales calendars um, with things that likely won't pan out. Yeah. Do you? So in your experience, do you believe that you can accomplish this model where you send your high quality leads to your AEs, you know, middle of the road to an SDR. And then, you know, you could say, Hey, you're not a good fit for us. If it's someone that really doesn't fit, do you believe that you can accomplish that because of how your organization is structured and you don't have a massive SDR farm where you have to send all your leads to? I think that's part of it. And this will work, I think for most B2B SaaS companies, but there's exceptions, right? Like if you're building super custom software that sells for, you know, 500 grand or a million a pop, you're going to need more qualification and you're going to have to send them through all that. And you're going to have to vet it and, you know, more requirements gathering. Um, But if you're a mid range ACV, like let's say it's, I don't know, five to 50 K or just to pick random numbers. um, I think that can work. It does take a shift in the organization though. Mm -hmm. Um, Sales rightfully oftentimes will hold on to their calendar and it's precious, which it should be right? Like they, their time is very precious. Um, but if, if you can convince them and kind of show early proof that we're going to get you the right people, it's just going to make your job easier. So you can focus on selling rather than scheduling and chasing people and, and all that admin side of things. Mm-hmm. Why do you think your, your sales team specifically is okay with not keeping their calendar so close to the vest? Yeah. I mean, part of it is, uh, so our VP of sales also ran marketing, for, for a decent amount of time. Um, and I also worked in sales for a lot of time, a long time for six, seven years. So I think there's both of us have been in both worlds and see the pros and cons of this approach. Mm-hmm. So that made it easier. Um, you know, if it's a 
20 year sales vet who has always ran the same SDR process um, all the way through, maybe a harder sell. Um, but in this case, smaller company, great VP of sales, it, it just kind of worked out and became easier. Mm -hmm. um, so let's say that there's someone listening to this and maybe their CEO isn't on board with this quite yet, or maybe they're having some trouble with the sales team who might be holding that calendar kind of close to the rest and like, what? We don't want people booking time on our calendars. What would you say to them or how would you approach that? I would say go to the data mm -hmm. is kind of the easy thing. So check what the drop-off is. So is the conversion rate to actual form fill really poor? Is the conversion from form fill to demo poor? Um, and see what that number is. Like if the conversion from form fill to demo is 90% or something already with your current process, you probably don't need this. And, and what you're doing is probably fine. Mm -hmm. If you see it and it's 50%, 60%, there's likely you know, a way to improve that. Um, so I would go to the data first and make your case that way. Yeah. And when you came to Govenda, was this something that they were pretty open to? Or did you have to go kind of through that same process and be like, hey, this is where I think we can improve and here's why? They were really open to it, which was great. Um, so they had already, you know, ZoomInfo has a billion products. They already had uh, ZoomInfo form complete in-house. They just hadn't set it up yet. Mm -hmm. So they immediately saw the value in that. Um, and then on the tech side, what we're doing for the routing is tying Chili Piper to mm -hmm. ZoomInfo in our form. Um, so they were totally on board with that. It was a pretty easy sell, which was nice. Um, and then now we're just doing the legwork of actually building it all out making sure it all works. So there's a bit of a technical lift there. Yeah. Um, but once that's done, uh, you know, it then can just churn along. It says. Mm -hmm. You brought up a really cool point about your, almost like a discovery form. You said it was after they've booked the call or on the calendar itself. Can you dive into that a little bit about what that looks like for you guys? For sure. So this was at my last company where we mm -hmm. didn't have SDRs. We only had AEs. Um, and we tried to keep the demos to 30 or 45 minutes, which, you know, having discovery upfront, wanting to show some of the product in even in 45 minutes is really hard. Um, so what we did was the calendar tool, we were using HubSpot there. You can use Chili Piper Calendar, it doesn't matter. But the redirect went to um, another form in quotations, more of a friendly form um, that asked a few questions like, what is your main goal here? Um, asked a couple questions about their tech stack. Those basic questions that we would ask upfront as discovery during the call itself. Mm -hmm. um, I thought when I put this live, no one would fill it out, right? Like they just filled out a form. They just looked at their calendar, booked a time. We made it clear, you're booked. This is optional. Like <laughs> we didn't want to force them through it. Um, but we had about 75 or 80% of people take the time to fill out the form. Mm. So it had two main benefits. One was we could bypass some of that initial questions at the start. So, you know, we didn't have to ask um, what file share they were on or are they Google or Microsoft? You could ask that stuff before and get that. Um, and then the other benefit is now we have this repository of information in through a form, which is, it can be a little bit easier to manage than sales asking these questions, having to update a call report or a field in Salesforce and, you know, tying up their time doing that, hoping the data is accurate, avoiding typos. Um, yeah. So this way we just had it in a form. So then when we started to work on our positioning, we could look and say, okay, are most people buying a product like this for the first time? Is this a rip and replace? Like what is our actual mix? 
Mm -hmm. um, and we had legitimate data that directly from our customers. Um, so that helped quite a bit. That's super interesting. And again, this was an optional form, right? It was. Yeah. Like I, I, it's just the whole progressive form principle, right? Why people do those fill out your email, then fill out a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. You feel committed. Um, and I mean, at that point, if they booked a demo, they're probably pretty committed and they, they want a good demo. So we've, we framed it as, and this is totally truthful. We framed it as, you know, help. If you answer these questions, it's going to help make your demo smoother and we can personalize it to you. Mm -hmm. So I think they saw the value there as well of, Oh, cool. They're not going to just hammer me with 30 questions out the gate. Yeah. Um, they can ask, our sales team could then ask higher level questions. Like you mentioned, this was a problem. What are some things you're seeing there? Or they could dig a little deeper. Um, so I think the buyer saw the value and then the sales team gets value out of it. So it was a win-win. You know, I have nothing by any means to back this up, right? But if someone were to come to your site to book a demo and you had put that form, the optional form in the beginning, right? With the email address or whatever it was that you needed to get them on the calendar, I would imagine that they probably would not have filled out nearly as much, or even if it was required, maybe they would have bounced if it was 100%. right up front. Like seriously, that's what's so interesting is you've already made the process super easy. They feel like, okay, this was actually a really smooth experience that they had me in mind. Like this was easy for me. Yeah. I'm going to take a few extra minutes to just fill out this optional form. You said it was like what? 80% of roughly. Yeah, it, was, it was about 75% of the ones who booked a demo also filled out that form. Mm -hmm. um, and I agree. If we put that at the front and we had a giant form with name, email, phone number, five discovery questions, there's no way in hell anyone fills that out. Um, I wouldn't. I, yeah, I would you know, try to find a chat bot or go to the contact form and say, hey, can I book a demo? I'd find some way around it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, yeah, it, it is interesting how many actually filled that out. Yeah. So you had mentioned that was at your previous company. Is that something you plan on down the road implementing here at Govenda as well? It's something we've been kicking around for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Chili Piper in particular makes that easy. So you can set up your different queues. So, you know, let's say the one we send to an AE directly, maybe only that one goes to this qualification form, right? Um, so you can really customize it that way in a simple way, um, which is good. The last time I did it, it was a lot more manual. Uh, we were everything was tied to HubSpot, which was great, but it was a bit more of a manual workflowy process. Mm -hmm. um, whereas this should be pretty seamless. And I think it's something we likely try uh, once we get everything else mapped out. Yeah. When you're thinking about some of these, even in the B2B SaaS world, well, even really, especially in the B2B SaaS world, um, why do you think it is that some of these companies just can't get their mind wrapped around, whether it's the marketing team or executive leadership around making it a smooth experience and an easy experience to book a demo? Like, why do you think that is? I think it's just an inertia thing, right? Like it's things have always been done a certain way and change is scary. Yeah. So you still see that a lot with um, like gated eBooks, right? You can run the numbers and say, okay, we're gating all these eBooks, but none of them are converting down funnel, but people are still going to be afraid to take away that form because it's a big change, right? Mm -hmm. So any of those large scale changes, I, it's just difficult. Um, which is for any of them, I would suggest finding a way to dip your toe in it. You know, can you test a form like this on a high value paid ads page? Hmm. So you know the intents there. It's not going to be garbage leads that randomly saw some Google display ad. This is, you know, people searching for your software. Test it there. See if it works. See if it blows up sales calendars. Um, but it's a pretty low risk test, which is constrained high intent traffic. Yeah. If you were to, you know, take a guess 
right? And obviously you guys are continually refining what you're doing at GoFenda, making it a smooth experience. Even if you're not doing it yet, where do you think like the next step would be for the SaaS world to make this an even smoother experience than what you guys are doing right now? Does anything come to mind? Yeah, it's not so much on the demo booking phase. It's actually before that. Hmm. Um, it's more on the, the website copy and experience side of things. Um, some companies do this quite well, right? You go to their site, you know exactly who they're for, what their value prop is, and they'll handle your objections up front. Um, in other industries, um, you go to five sites, they're all saying kind of the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. We have great security, great ease of use. Um, we're awesome. And they're all saying it. And how the hell do you Saves figure time. out? Saves time. Yeah, <laughs> <Save> exactly. <you> <laughs> time. <laughs> exactly. So how do you figure out who to go with? Um, so I think the companies that remove that friction, like there's a bit of like, um, what's it called? Like analysis paralysis of mm -hmm. I'm on all these sites. I have no clue what the difference is. Um, so companies who actually do that well and can differentiate and carve out their niche. I, I know traditionally that's not considered friction, um, but in my mind it is. Like when I'm browsing websites to buy software, that is friction. And then I have to do a whole whack of research before I even book a call. Mm -hmm. um, I want them to just speak to me in plain language and confront my objections up front and then I'll book a demo. Would you consider that a form of positioning? For sure, yeah. A big part of it is is positioning and messaging. Mm -hmm. um, and positioning is really hard. Like, yeah. It's just, I'm, I'm going through it right now and working on it. And it's just one of those things where it takes a long time. It's hard to do well, um, but you need to do it. And oftentimes it gets a bit neglected. Mm -hmm. And, you know, instead of talking about your positioning and where you are in the market and who you're for, it becomes all about your product. Our product is this thing great. It does this other thing great. It's not about the person or the buyer or how you're differentiated. It's just our product, our product, our product. Mm -hmm. um, so I think getting away from that really helps on the friction side. You know, what's interesting, and I've said this a few times, is some companies really don't take into consideration where their website traffic is coming from, yep. right? So for example, there are multiple different areas that the majority of your buyers could be coming to your site from. The first one could be SEO, right? Mm -hmm. Another one could be... Um, you're running demand gen, Facebook ads, LinkedIn, Instagram, and then they come through your website and it's marked as organic weeks later, right? They don't come to a landing page, they come to the homepage. Or another one is maybe you're doing a lot of uh, social media. So for example, LinkedIn, you're posting a lot of content. That's more of what we do. Yep. And like people know what we do when they go to our website. And therefore our message is catered to that. But if, if SEO was our play, right? then our message and our narrative on our website would have to be totally different because we are now brand new in the eyes of the people landing on our site. And yeah. you really, the, the whole thing is like, take a step back and know where your traffic is coming from and then cater your message to that. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, on the technical side too, you can do that with website personalization now mm -hmm. in a relatively lightweight way. Um, so that's another project I'm kicking off is transferring out of WordPress, probably to HubSpot CMS. Mm-hmm. So I can do that. It, you know, it's their first visit. They came from a blog post that is their source. And, you know, they're just trying to learn about us. Yeah. Maybe I say something different than if they came from a very specific paid landing page and clicked over. Mm -hmm. um, that's a complicated thing to map out, like you said, but you're totally right. It's all different stages of the buyer experience or the, the funnel. And you have to talk to them at that stage. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Um, 
So this is where I think we did this on our previous episode, but what I like to do to kind of close this out is give you the opportunity to be the podcast host here. So I'll give you the mic. And if you want to shoot some questions my way, uh, let's tackle them. For sure. Yeah. No, this, I used to have a podcast and now I'm not at that company, so I don't. So I love this. This is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to talk a little bit about demand gen Mm because, you know, you guys are doing a really good job, especially on LinkedIn, on the organic side of things and growing a community there. Um, but it's a long-term play and it's hard, you know, it's hard to tie to, oh, we made all these LinkedIn posts and then someone came in and bought and CEOs often will hate that because mm-hmm. they want, you know, the ROI of this thing. So I, I know you're an agency, it's a little bit different, but how would you recommend that a marketer handle that? So the objection of more of a brand building activity. Yeah. And, you know, how, what do we attribute this to? What was the ROI of our time? All that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first off, I would say with anything that is 100% a brand play, that's going to take months, maybe even years to pull off. So for example, posting on LinkedIn organic comes to mind. Uh, a podcast comes to mind for sure. With mm-hmm. those things, I recommend don't even start them until you don't need them anymore. Right. And what I mean by that is like, check the boxes that you need to check whether that is you're putting money into paid and filling up your pipeline, only then can you take a step back and go, well, we don't really need a podcast. Now's the best time to start it because we're not really tied to hoping that we drive leads from it, right? Because if you start a podcast or start posting on LinkedIn, hoping to get leads, then it's going to dilute the content and people aren't going to want to listen, right? Now, how I would recommend, let's say that you you have this, uh, you checked all the boxes for generating, um, you know, pipeline and revenue, right. And now you want to do some of these activities. One of the best ways you can do it is pull the qualitative data, right? So what are people saying in the comment section of your LinkedIn posts? For me, how many CMOs just commented on this post about websites, right? That they Mm -hmm. thought, you know, they thought this was really helpful. How many VPs of marketing have been listening to our podcast and told me they really enjoy it. That's the kind of stuff that you take back to the CEO or whoever it may be that's kind of like giving you this flack, right? And saying, well, how are we supposed to tie this to anything, right? Another way is in our sales calls, the majority of the time people will say, so this is CMOs, VPs, directors of marketing will say, hey, I've been following you on LinkedIn for months. Your content Mm -hmm. has been really helpful, right? I don't follow a ton of people, but this was something that really spoke to me, what you say. And I follow people that I enjoy, right? They'll say that. Or I've had someone come uh, a few times say, wow, this is like nothing new talking to you on a sales call. I, I feel like I know you because of your podcast. Right? I've, yeah. I've had that happen multiple times. CMOs, VPs, right? Yeah. Um, so that's those are the things that like you can't really measure, but like they have an impact. Um, so that's how I would approach that. Nice. No, that makes a ton of sense. And then I guess kind of related to that, how do you remain patient there? Because, you know, a lot of times people will say, oh, I got these 50 comments. These people are my ICP and they'll go to, sell, 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 let's send them a DM and try to pitch something or, you know, people do that, which in my opinion is not at all the right strategy for something Mm -hmm. like this. So how do you, you know, remain patient and consistent and kind of have faith in that? So for one, it's not easy at all. Right. And I think it comes down to when you approach the, the medium or the tactic or the strategy ahead of time, knowing, look, this is going to take time. So for me, When I started on LinkedIn, I knew 
that if I wanted to see any results down the road of people coming to me and saying, Hey, I've enjoyed your content. It was going to take six months to a year. And I had that in the back of my mind that I won't even see results until then. Mm -hmm. I actually, you know, started seeing some stuff trickle in ahead of time for sure. Um, And that's just the icing on top, right? With our podcast, the strategy behind it is to build relationships with awesome people like you. You'll never catch, I mean, you've been on the show before. I didn't send you an email afterwards that said, hey, uh, do you want to work with us, right? That's not what we do, right? It's to build a relationship, create content for our buyers and to become an authority in the space, right? And I think that was one of the the mindset shifts that we had to make ahead of time is this is not a lead gen channel. Mm -hmm. I think that's what people need to get through their head is like, if you are doing a brand play, right? Whether that's a podcast, LinkedIn, those are the two that come to mind. You have to be patient and know that, look, we are going to be generating revenue in other areas, right? Checking those boxes, like I mentioned before. Yeah. This area is simply the icing on top that will snowball over time. And we just have to sit back and let it do it. Let it do its thing. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny too, that, you know, between that and the positioning stuff we talked about it's like marketers are finally going back to do marketing mm-hmm. whereas there is there has to be a blend between sales and marketing right but everything for a while was so legion 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 get people to download stuff yeah that i feel the rest slacked so i'm excited that it's going back that way and no shortage of things for us to do but you know some of the fun stuff we get to focus on so yeah it's building yeah. a community it's getting to know people and the thing is the more you help and the more value you deliver. I really hate the cliche deliver value, right? But it's true. The more you do that, the more people will recognize you, the people in your company and really your brand as a whole. And it Mm -hmm. will start to pay off if you're patient. And again, don't view it as a lead generating activity. It is a brand building activity and you have to differentiate the two. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, those those are the questions I had, but Thank hey, you, man. I, great I questions. That. Well, hope you, uh, you enjoyed being the podcast host for a little bit. I know you have some experience, <laughs> so nothing new to you, but, um, Dustin, for those who may have heard you on the last podcast, uh, episode to today, uh, obviously you're up to something different. So why don't you share what, uh, you're doing at Govenda? What do you guys have going on? Yeah, for sure. So at Govenda, um, you know, board meetings now in particular are mostly online. Things have changed and the old way of printing a bunch of stuff and faxing, doesn't work so well, right? So what we do is we provide board management software that makes the admin part easy so you can focus on actually getting value out of your board members and, and providing good experience for them. Um, so that's what we do. Very good timing, I would say, with you know the changes in the world and a great opportunity there. Um, so that's what we're doing. And then I'm going to shamelessly plug that I'm hiring as well. So there you go. it's hard to hire right now. Um, <laughs> but if anyone you know, is focused on digital marketing, PPC, SEO, or RevOps, shoot me a message. You can find me on LinkedIn. Let's talk. Perfect, man. So LinkedIn, anywhere else they can find you in case, you know, this is something that they, they want to look into. Mostly LinkedIn. I Perfect. post on Twitter a couple times a year if you're lucky. So <laughs> LinkedIn right. is the place to find me. <laughs> Dustin Tizik, T-Y-S-I-C-K. Just search him. Um, you'll be able to find him or just look at my connections. Um, you know, him and I have been connected for a while. So Dustin... Yeah. Again, man, this has been really cool. Welcome back to episode 2.0 here for you. And the reunion tour is what we're calling it. So thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Sam. I enjoyed that. 